0: If you've been to a city lately, you've seen the suffering. People curled up on benches, in parks, and under stoplights, where they come right up to your car and ask for money. It didn't used to be this way. When I was a kid, you'd see the occasional homeless person on a rare trip to the big city. Today, it's commonplace. It seems that everywhere there's a stoplight or public transit, there's also homelessness, or should I say the unhoused. It's gotten so bad that the problem has stretched from city's downtown course to what were once considered safe, even boring, family-friendly neighborhoods. And it's not just in places like Edmonton and Calgary. It's also bad in Red Deer and Lethbridge, maybe even worse. When I lived in a condo in Red Deer, I used to watch them run out of the forest and jump into the trash bin out back, looking for anything they could use, eat, or sell. It got so bad that you had to double-check the bin before throwing your trash out. How did this happen? We can have the discussion about fentanyl from China, but our federal government has responsibility to bear for the record level of addiction that we're seeing. For two years during the COVID-19 pandemic, you couldn't go to work and you couldn't even get a beer with your friends, but you could get drugs, lots of them and for free. At least one Canadian province is taking this problem seriously. The Alberta government has prioritized recovery-based care. And this week, they announced they want to track Ottawa's safe and free drugs to see what impact it's having on the streets. Of course, the federal government rejected this proposal. The government that wants to impact every single sphere of private life said this is a bridge too far. Now, that doesn't come as a surprise to me or to you. For all of its talk about empathy and inclusivity and acceptance, this is a government that offers assisted suicide in place of health care. And this is a government that will leave behind a legacy of death. I'm Rachel Emanuel, and this is the Alberta Roundup. Okay guys, taking a look at our first story here, the Trudeau government has rejected a proposal from the province of Alberta to add a unique chemical identifier to drugs offered under the safe supply program so that authorities could track street sales. Alberta Mental Health and Addictions Minister Dan Williams asked Federal Health Minister Mark Holland for hard evidence that safe supply programs were having a positive impact on Canadians. Williams also said that a unique chemical identifier should be required of drugs offered under safe supply programs so that authorities can track when safe supply drugs are being diverted and to where. Federal Mental Health and Addictions Minister Yara Sachs said that while she shares the province's concerns regarding substance diversion, she thinks adding a chemical identifier presents its own issues of impracticality. Sachs said, quote, it is unclear how this would work in practice, given these drugs are not manufactured specifically for these programs and are also used for other medical purposes such as pain management. Sachs also said she believes that there are misconceptions and misinformation regarding the Safe Supply Program, adding, quote, the idea that these programs are simply handing out drugs to anyone is false. Since the government began collecting data on the crisis in 2016, over 40,000 people have died as a result of Canada's opioid crisis. The majority of recorded deaths last year involved fentanyl. British Columbia became the first province to offer users pharmaceutical alternatives, which is now referred to as safe supply programs. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith has refused to follow suit and has instead prioritized recovery based care, as did her predecessor, former Premier Jason Kenney. Moving into our next story here, this isn't Alberta specific, but I know that you guys will be very interested in this subject matter as we learn that child vaccination rates are dropping rapidly. This from the Angus Reid Institute, as some diseases such as measles and polio, thought to be worries of the past, have been breaking out globally and in Canada, many Canadians are expressing concern, even alarm, about waning vaccination acceptance in their country. New data from the non-profit Angus Reid Institute finds 7 in 10 Canadians, or 71%, feeling the anti-vaccination movement is going to lead to unnecessary illness and suffering in the population. This comes as there appears to be growing skepticism about vaccine efficacy among Canadians in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, especially among parents with children under 18. 17% of parents of minors say they are really against vaccinating their kids. That's a fourfold increase from 2019. There has also been a simultaneous 15-point decrease in the proportion of Canadians who support mandatory childhood vaccination in schools. That policy is in place in Ontario and New Brunswick. Opposition to this idea has risen correspondingly from 24% to 38%. 52% of people with children younger than 18 say that it should be the parents' decision whether to vaccinate. That proportion drops to 32% for those who do not have children under 18. It almost is like something traumatizing happened to Canadians to make them so skeptical of vaccines. Huh, I wonder what that could be. I'm actually interested in this. Comment in the video below if you guys believe in child vaccination. And I'm also curious how many of you have seen Candace Owen's series, A Shot in the Dark. Just comment in the video below. I'm just curious. Moving into our next story here, the 2024 Alberta budget was tabled this week. Here's Alberta Finance Minister Nate Horner speaking about it on Thursday. This responsible plan strikes the right balance between investing wisely to meet the needs of Albertans today and ensuring those services remain sustainable to support the next generations. And we're gonna take a quick snapshot of what this budget promises to do. It's poised to bolster the province's status as Canada's economic powerhouse and forecast a $367 million surplus for the fiscal year 2024 to 2025. Despite the technical surplus, the province is projected to borrow $19.8 billion, and that will go to refinancing maturing debt, new funding for the capital plan and year-end cash adjustments, and to repay debt maturities. The province justified the high amount of debt by saying that it needs to borrow in advance of its immediate cash needs. The fund in advance will be held in a designated debt retirement account. That cash will be invested in high quality bonds to the maturity dates of the existing debts, ensuring the province is positioned to repay bonds as they come due. Alberta's revenue of $73.5 billion is offset by total expenses of $71.2 billion, and an additional $2 billion for contingency and disaster expenses. While the revenues have decreased since last year, the expenses increased, leading to a lower surplus compared to the $5.2 billion in 2023 to 24. And moving into our controversy of the week, as part of the budget, the Alberta government announced that a $200 tax would be applied to electric vehicles as early as January 2025. The tax would be paid when owners register the vehicle and will be in addition to an existing registration fee. The tax rate is in line with the annual fuel tax paid by drivers of gas vehicles, says the province. The tax will not apply to owners of hybrid vehicles. Moving into what we're watching in the weeks to come, the Trudeau Liberals are moving ahead with their national pharmacare plan and the governments of Alberta and Quebec have already chosen to opt out. Final details of the plan have yet to be ironed out before the scheduled deadline of March 1st. Still, Alberta Health Minister Adriana Lagrange said that the province would not participate. Take a listen. We want to avoid the bureaucracy. I don't think the federal government understands the, that provinces do have processes in place. They have suppliers. They have an administrative um, network already set up. Lagrange said that Alberta would use extra pharmacare cash, which should be given since Alberta is opting out of the federal program to enhance its own birth control and diabetes programs. Take a listen. Absolutely willing to enhance those programs. All we need is the federal government to provide those dollars to us, and we will make sure that we enhance the programs. Federal Health Minister Mark Holland said everyone needs to take a pause. Everybody just needs to take a pause. Um, You know, for provinces to say whether or not they're going to participate in something or not when they don't even know what it is, is a little premature. Finally, moving into our weekly comment roundup, Last week, I covered that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came to Alberta and snubbed Alberta Premier Daniel Smith, and most of you thought that was a good thing and said good for the Premier that she didn't have to spend any time with Trudeau. User Jerry Smith said he's got a bigger sub coming from the majority of Canadians. It does certainly seem that the polls are trending that way. We might finally have a conservative government within a year, maybe a year and a half. User at WorshipWarrior12 said, the carbon rebate is dang near useless. Everyone knows our cost of living has skyrocketed in the last eight years under JT. He's a disaster from start to finish. No argument there. All right, everyone, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please like this video and subscribe to True North so you don't miss any of our content. I hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. I'll see you all on Wednesday. God bless.